0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in? Him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win! Pressure, pass is picked off. And who is it?
1: Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the PAX What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And we officially have football-ish things happening right now. The combine has kicked off this week, so that's a lot of fun getting to see you know, a deep dive into some of the players and potentially look at ones that we will fall in love with and help the Green Bay drafts only to see them go to Minnesota or Chicago. But before <laughs> we talk about that, Perry, how are you?
0: I'm good. You're right. We have football things and it's very exciting. I, whenever the off season comes, I'm so sad because I don't like when there's no football and then beginning of March rolls around and I realize like how short the NFL offseason really is because you get the combine and then free agency and then the draft and then it's training camp and right back where we started in September. So, um, really excited to start. I already have, and I think we both have, but like really, really digging into these prospects. And it all starts with the combine and seeing how they test. And um, one of my favorite things is, you know, those like. Guys that everybody knows going into the Combine, but there's always those like Combine stars that come out, like the DK Metcalfs and the Chase Claypool type players. Everyone's like, oh my God. And you can already see some of that happening. So just excited to have some football to talk about.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it, you know, I get. I don't know if the time changed at all, the timeline, but it really feels like because the Super Bowl was so late this year, we had like a two-week off season. Yeah, and then you've got the combine, free agency, the draft, like you said, and then you just kind of roll into, you know, once the Packers make their draft selections, it's kind of it. Like then the off season is officially dead, and we're kind of rolling into the twenty twenty two season. So. I think you and I have some pretty similar thoughts on maybe where we see the Packers going with their first couple picks. picks. Uh, the same thing that, you know, Brian Gutekunst alluded to a little bit, but are you, are there any positions that you will be watching in particular, particularly closely going into this weekend now that everything's starting to kind of get televised and the interviews are getting posted?
0: Yeah. So I, I tried to tune in cause I know today is um, quarterback receiver tight end. Um, but I mean, I've started my draft study and to much to everybody's surprise, I started on the defensive side of the ball. Um, And I think I'm really, really intrigued by this year's safety class. Um, I just think it's been a couple of years since they, I've at least noticed um, pretty deep safety class um, of guys that I think would be really beneficial to the Packers. And I'm also looking at linebackers. I know that The Packers have not historically valued the inside linebacker position too much, and there's still hope that Devontae Campbell returns. But I think that that's a position they could replenish, and there's some really exciting guys. Um, I do have an early an early draft crush that I I don't see changing, and he's a linebacker. Um, So, but I, I agree with you. I think you know, Goot mentioned edge, you know, offensive line. Tight end, wide receiver, those are all positions to watch for and they're positions of need for the Packers. But I've definitely been like pretty excited by this year's safety
1: class. I think it's funny because I also start on the defensive side of the ball always. And I don't know if it's because, you know, quarterback has always been so solidified that, you know, actually, to to be fair, when it was Baker Mayfield's draft class, I did watch the quarterbacks a lot because I knew it would affect the Browns having the number one pick. But now that, you know, there's the Packers don't need a quarterback and haven't needed a quarterback in so long. I feel like I'd really just shift to the defensive side of the ball. I normally start with the edge rushers because that is something I love in the defensive linemen, and then I kind of work my way into the secondary, and I don't spend too much time. You and I kind of talked about this already. You know, it feels like there's some positions on the roster that are already so solidified that, you know, there's probably going to be a couple bodies that show up in camp, but I would be honestly shocked if the Packers took a running back at least before, like, the fifth round of this year.
0: I agree with you. I think that's probably the only – it's the top position group I would say that the Packers are most solid at. There's a bunch of holes that they need to fill, but that is just not one of them. Um, especially because they're gonna get Kylan Hill back from ACL hopefully sooner rather than later. But also like Patrick Taylor looked great in his limited snap. So they've got really nice step there. I agree with you. I think like camp bodies will come in, but I'd be surprised if they use any premium draft picks on on a running back, especially because they did just really take A.J. Dillon in the 2020 draft.
1: Yeah, and we've talked about this a little bit too, but, you know, even regardless of how the dominoes fall with guys like Rasul Douglas and Devondre Campbell, you brought up a really good point earlier in the week about just, you know, even if Devondre Campbell's back, inside linebacker's probably a position of some need when you think about guys like Oren Burks leaving and the role that those players had on special teams. And if the Packers Mm -hmm. are serious about, you know, kind of just – changing the entirety of their special teams unit with rich passaccia i have to feel like some of these picks are going to be dedicated to not only special teamers but guys that you know will come in and have an immediate impact guys i don't think they're going to take flyers on guys and say like yeah we're going to have you try returning punts you did that twice in college it's going to be like no these guys were in all four phases for their entire career and they know it like the back of their hand i agree um so
0: let's just take a quick step back so for those listening if you don't know um starting on Monday of this week. No, not Monday, Tuesday, right? March 1st. Um, I no longer know what day it is anymore. Um, <laughs> the NFL combine started out in Indianapolis. Um, it's at Lucas oil stadium where the Colts play like it is every year. And I think this year it actually, they actually like kind of lifted that COVID bubble. So people are able to go watch more NFL exact scouts, just like, personnel can be there, um, which is really exciting. I think great for the prospects. The draft has just been so, so bizarre the last two years. And I think it's unfortunately affected the guys that are going through the process. Um, And so the first couple of days are interviews and media availability, not just for players, but coaches as well. So we got to hear Matt LaFleur speak um, and we've heard a couple players speak and now today starting today is like the actual drills and testing and so we have heard and I'm sure the list is longer than this but um, we have heard about a couple players that the Packers have met with now I know that meetings happen and that does not necessarily mean anything but I do think it's an interesting point like information point um, about kind of where the Packers head's are at right now. And so I'm going to list off some of the names and Maggie, if I missed anybody that you have, you let me know. Okay. Um, so the Packers have met with tight end Jalen. Oh, now we're going to test out my pronunciation. Again. <laughs> this is, this is the yearly, yearly thing. Okay. Tight end Jalen. I'm guessing it's Windermeyer from Texas A&M. So I think that's interesting. Another Texas A&M tight end. Um, a bunch of wide receivers, Chris Olave. Did I pronounce that right? From Ohio State, Olavi. Olavi is how I've... is how you've heard it. Okay, again, this is this is Perry testing my skills. <laughs> um, wide receiver George Pickens from Georgia. Wide receiver Jameson Williams from Alabama, who's actually coming off an ACL tear, so he's a really interesting prospect. Um, Tight end Daniel Bellinger from San Diego State and offensive tackle Abraham Lucas from Washington State. Um, I did read another report today that the Packers have really focused their meetings um, with tight ends and wide receivers, not as much with offensive linemen, which again doesn't necessarily mean anything. That could mean that they just like feel very confident about their offensive linemen board and don't like need to spend more time with these guys. Um, It can mean a, a multiple multiple different things. And we obviously haven't gotten to the defense yet this week. They come later. Um, I think the edge rushers arrived today. So um, more to come on who the Packers are speaking to. But I just do think it's an interesting point to bring up about kind of where they're focusing their energies. And we know that wide receiver and tight end are a position of need.
1: Yeah, I've I've been trying to spend some time actually thinking about whether or not I think the Packers are going to go offensive line early or kind of in general, we've seen them obviously hit in the later rounds of the draft. We saw them take their center early last draft class, but you know, you've got David Bakhtiari coming back. It doesn't sound like they have any concerns moving forward with him as their left tackle. But then I think it gets kind of interesting. Lucas Patrick obviously is a free agent. So he's played just about everywhere for the Packers. Not sure if he's somebody that they'd be able to re-sign, or knowing what the cap situation is like, if they have somebody else on the roster that can do that. I think where it gets interesting to me is what they do with Elton Jenkins. And I know he won't be back for the start of the year, but you know, Billy Turner's contract is kind of expensive. And if he's one of those guys you're looking at restructuring offensive line could kind of quickly become a position of need as, as good as John Ronnie jr. Has been, you've got your center coming back obviously into his second season, despite battling all those injuries, but it, it kind of becomes, you know, taking a position of strength, turning it into a lot of unknowns going into at least the start of the season.
0: Yeah, I feel like we felt that way last offseason as well. That offensive line is just like this all of a sudden sneaky need and then the Packers find a way to kind of fill in that bottom half of the roster with offensive linemen. And um, I think that the... The philosophy and the process has worked very well up until this point. So I imagine they've replicated it, right? I don't know if they take someone early, but I do fully imagine, like you said, that they take someone fifth, sixth round. That's kind of the sweet spot of where they've historically found like really good offensive line talent. And while most, if not all, the starters are going to be back, um, they have some depth there, and then I'm sure that they they fill it in as well. So it's always going to be – it's just one of those positions where I think you constantly draft every year to make sure that you have backup. And they tend to keep about 10 right on the roster between 53 and practice squad. So I imagine there will be more in camp, but but um, have around that for, for the roster when it comes around in August. So um, I agree. I, I would be surprised if they took one early. I think there are more um, – pressing needs but again it's never a bad thing to take an you know a high a high-ranked offensive lineman you want to protect your quarterback as much as possible
1: yeah, I feel that same way. And I'm curious your thoughts on this too, with Adam Stanovich, obviously taking the role of offensive coordinator as opposed to just offensive line. And then, you know, Luke Butkus being elevated to offensive line um, coach. Do you think there's anything to be said about, you know, how they construct this offense with a different coordinator now that Nathaniel Hackett's with the Broncos, or do you think it's going to kind of be same old, same old, what we've seen from Matt LaFleur in his first three years at the Packers? I don't think
0: it's going to be same old, same old. Like, I definitely think that Steno will bring his own flair just like Hackett did. But I do think that, like, this offense is made in Matt LaFleur's image. And especially if Rodgers is back under sender, it's going to be Matt LaFleur plus Rodgers' image. And, again, like, I, I, my understanding based on the way that Matt LaFleur has described their process internally, obviously I'm not in the room, but my understanding of it is it's like a very – decision-by-committee type um, structure. So Steno will have his input. Matt LaFleur will have his input. I'm sure many other position coaches are in the room, plus Rodgers, on the way that they structure this offense. But I can't imagine it being wildly different from the past couple of seasons just because he's the new new OC, really only because the play caller is still the same and it's Matt LaFleur. I have a question for you because I I do think, look, we know that the tight end position is – integral to Matt LaFleur's offense. you got to be able to block, not just as a tight end, but a wide receiver as well. But you've got to be able to block, and a good pass-catching move tight end is just it, – it's a thing you need now in the NFL, right? And they they lost Bobby Tunyon, which I think was a big blow, um, becoming a bit of like that safety net for Rodgers, that tight end he hasn't had in a while. We don't know what his return is going to look like this year. We don't know what Mercedes Lewis – is looking to do with his career in general right now, right? He could come back for another year. He could retire. Um, he could be a cap casualty. There's a lot of things, but all we know is that tight end is super important and it's a position that needs to be replenished, even though they have Josiah DeGuara, To me, there is no, um, like Kyle Pitts type guy in this draft where it's like, he's clearly the best. There's a few that I think are showing themselves, especially today, um, you know how fast they are, how well they can block, what they can do. But like, is tight end? I guess the way I'm trying to ask this question is like, what kind of capital do you invest in in tight end? Like, if they were to take a tight end, which they're going to, what what type of where in that in the picks that they have? Like, do you see the Packers taking a tight end?
1: That's really hard because. You know, I think the Jay Sternberger pick was something that was expected. And I know a lot of people, I, I liked the pick, you know, when it happened. I thought it was a solid investment at the position. Then that didn't necessarily pan out. So it felt like they took another swing at the position, but a completely different style in Josiah DeGuara. Mm-hmm. So I I think it's tough. And there's a lot of, you know, kind of middle of the draft kind of tight end prospects who can do a lot of different things, you know, Matt LaFleur said, and you mentioned it already, like the emphasis that blocking has in his scheme in general, regardless of what skill position you play. So there's some really good blocking tight ends in this draft class. And there's a lot of guys who kind of remind me of Josiah DeGuard that can, can do it all. But I, I haven't seen anybody, like you said, that kind of jumps off the page. I'm wondering if the Packers would invest any type of capital into a guy like Evan Ingram because I thought it was really interesting when Brian Gudekunst was talking about how they've had interest in guys and it just hasn't panned out. The year maybe that they wanted them. You know, the same way that reports came out that they wanted Darius Smith before he became a free agent and was able to sign with Green Bay, you know, there's a lot of players that have been linked to the Packers, or the Packers have expressed interest in them and then either chose different destinations or something fell through. So the Packers didn't bring them in. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean anything for what happens with Robert Tunyon or what happens with Mercedes Lewis, but would the Packers take a swing at a guy like Evan Ingram or, you know, another vet? knowing kind of how long it takes tight ends to develop at an NFL level.
0: So such a good point. I think if they do, and this is another good trend that we've seen, is if they do happen to get a guy in free agency, I still think they draft one. Mm-hmm. That's they, they tend to double up in that way. Um, I think it just all depends at the end of the day of what the cap looks like. You know, after they do everything they need to do, restructuring, cutting, resigning, extending, et cetera, Um, how much they have and like where they want to spend that capital. Um, I think it's a great point that you can go out in the free agent market and potentially get a veteran tight end for like less money than you would for for, like a wide receiver. It's just not as much of a premium and then still draft someone to develop and hope that, you know, Josiah DeGuara takes that next step. You get Robert Tunyon back at some point this season. And then all of a sudden you've got like four guys on the roster that can, can really um, be moved around Um, I'd like to see them. And I just haven't been on this train. And I'm not like a super hype train, but I do. I think this class has sneaky depth at wide receiver. The past couple of years, I think that's been like such a talking point around the draft is how great these wide receiver classes were. And we've seen some of the rookie wide receivers last two seasons make immediate impacts on the teams. You're looking at Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase's of the world. And I think this draft class, based off what I've watched and what I've read, also has got how guys that can potentially do that. And I have a feeling, just given what the wide receiver room looks like, and I want your thoughts on this, is this could potentially be another draft like 2019. Am I thinking that right? 2019 when they took... MBS EQ'd Jamon Moore all in a row. Now, do I think they take three wide receivers? I don't know, but I think this is potentially a case where they take at least two. It was 2018.
1: I couldn't remember. It was 2018. It was 2018. But yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, I've, I've we've talked about this like on Twitter and, you know, it has been every time the combine rolls around, it is a talking point that we all maybe think that we have like, these ideals of what the Packers are looking for. It's always a player with a high relative athletic score. They're always a freak athlete. You know, there's certain thresholds that Ted Thompson never drafted, and Goody's kind of strayed from those a little bit. But, you know, we always talk ourselves out of, like – positions that won't get drafted or you know kind of where we see players falling and I just think you know for this fan base it would it would be so interesting to have the Packers go out and get like a Justin Jefferson or a Jamar Chase in the first round like if one of those you know premier wide receivers is still on the board at 28 or if the Packers try to trade up into like you know the high or lower twenties. I don't know how that I don't know how that works in the like the twenty-two range and take a wide receiver because I think that is a position of need. And as much as Amari Rodgers could end up still having a nice career with the Packers, he wasn't the guy that jumped off the page last season. And, you know, it sounds like everybody at the combine, you know, has accepted that Devontae Adams isn't going anywhere. And that that solves a huge need, obviously, for your roster. Sounds like Lazard is going to be back as a restricted free agent. But even if they have Alan Lazard, MVS, and Devontae Adams back, that room still needed help last season. So it would just be really nice to see them invest in a position, whether it's first or second round, (laughs) and just say, like, we understand that this is a position that we've kind of neglected, we're trying to patch up. And I agree with you that it could be like a round two, round four, round six kind of thing. For sure. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think the only – everything that we do when we talk about the combine and the draft until we know who the Packers actually take is pure conjecture. And I think what we both do is try to look at historic patterns and pieces of information that like, we know that the Packers value. And so, like you said, relative athletic score is always going to be one – tight ends and wide receivers that can block well we know like if if a wide receiver is not a willing blocker I think chances are the Packers are just not drafting him and it doesn't mean he's not going to be a successful wide receiver in the NFL it just means that he doesn't fit into Matt LaFleur's scheme and so I think that you can do you know tons of draft study and look at guys in college but until this week happens and you see the way they test um and you know, certain conversations that the Packers have with certain players. Like you just don't know where their head's at and you probably still don't know where their head's at unless you're like physically seeing their big board. Um, And again, I haven't been anyone who's, I haven't been the person who's like banged on the table that like the Packers don't have weapons. I definitely do not believe that, but I do think that it comes to a point just from a contractual standpoint and from a cap standpoint that you have to start kind of like replenishing certain rooms and, it's time for the wide receiver room to just have some new talent in there.
1: Yeah. And, you know, kind of furthering your point about the three wide receivers, we've seen the Packers, you know, go all in like what they did when they had Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and Devonte Mays like that, that is something that happens where, you know, the Packers take a couple swings, even, you know, last draft class when they had Eric Stokes, obviously as their premier pick. And then they drafted Shamar John Charles to kind of round out the position and give them some options. Even if we're talking about like maybe MVS and Alan Lazard are more one-year deals, you know, maybe they're guys that'll be vets in the room. If this is Aaron Rodgers last dance, whatever we want to call it, you know, I don't know how many last dances he's got in him, but whether he's with the team for one year or five years, if it is something where a lot of his receivers that he's built trust with are leaving, I think it it makes a ton of sense for them to invest in the room and say, okay, you know, Jordan, you're going to be on scout team with these guys for an entire yeah. year, and then your arsenal is waiting for you in 2023. I completely agree with that. And think about it too. Like, let's say you do get a Devontae Adams back, which
0: I am – That's something I'm banging on the table for. You don't let that guy go. But that's the guy you want leading that room. That's the guy you want all of your rookies to be learning from. Like, he is – and I think – I was reading something today. I think it was George Pickens who was saying that he hopes one day to be comp to Devontae Adams. Like, that's the guy. And I just – I started laughing, and I was thinking about when Devontae Adams was drafted and his first season with the Packers and how it took him time to get there, and now he's the guy – that everyone wants. And he's like the guy that everybody studies film on. And he's become like that just prototypical, like perfect wide receiver. Um, And I just, that I think it's a healthy reminder to always think, like you said, like Amari Rogers didn't do much last season, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's not going to next season. Could it mean he never does something? Yes. That happens all the time. Um, But, but sometimes you just got to give guys, Give guys time. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. Um, before we wrap, because we're at we're at a good time now. Is there anybody that you're like really excited to see this week?
1: Well, it's going to be a spoiler because I'm going to talk about it a little bit on Pack a Day. But there's a couple guys I really like. Um, I've talked to you about it in the DMs. Um, it's funny you mentioned the safety class because Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State is. Currently, my draft crush, I haven't gotten through, you know, the offense yet. I'm working through the defense, but um, he, to me, regardless of what happens with Rasul Douglas and Shandon Sullivan would be that kind of guy that can fit anywhere in Joe Berry's secondary, whether it's, you know, playing nickel, whether he's in the slot, whether he's deep or in the box. Um, And I think that versatility is fun when you're looking at, you know, somebody that could round out Eric Stokes and Jair Alexander. So I'll just, I'll give one and then I'll let you give one before we wrap. So that's funny that you say that because I I
0: I like Brisker. I think the safety that I, I mean, Kyle Hamilton is a dream and it's a pipe dream. He might be like the first right. overall in the draft, so we're gonna put him aside. Um, I really like Daxton Hill out of Michigan. I think if we're keeping with our safety conversation, I feel the same way that you do about Jaquan Brisker. I think I watch. Daxton Hill and I know that I'm going to say this and people are going to think that I'm crazy and I don't mean this literally but I just see a lot like I think I'm seeing this just as holistically from this safety class and it's starting to move in this direction where like you're going to have to be able to play around the field you can't if you're like pigeonholed really into just strong safety or just free safety it's just not the way NFL defenses are constructed anymore and you just have to be a little bit more versatile. And I just see that in both of these guys, right? Like they can play deep, they can play up in the box, they can blitz, they can just, they're just multiple. Um, but I think that's just a commentary about like the safety position as a whole and where it's moving to. Um, it's a little, it's a little Charles Woodson-esque and I only say that like he's a Michigan safety and he can play like kind of all over the field. And again, I don't mean that in like, he's a future hall of famer. I just mean that he has, like like multiple skill sets like he can line up and cover um he's not my draft crush though so we'll save that for for another day my draft crush everybody tells me I'm crazy he's not like quote-unquote never falling to the Packers at 28 I hate when people say that because Aaron Rodgers um but I've been doing some mock drafts and he's falling to 28 so
1: all right well I won't make you spoil it then I'm I'm sitting on pins and needles no it's fine it's not that
0: big deal I'm in love with Devin Lloyd Um, yeah, he is a linebacker out of Utah and he is everything. He can rush, he can blitz, he can cover, he can cover the middle of field. He can line up with a tight end. He's got just like this incredible explosiveness to him. And, I think the value of linebackers is just only rising. And, like, I mean, we saw it with Micah Parsons last year, right? Like, what he was able to do for the Cowboys. And so I do imagine that because of his, just, like, pedigree and the position that he plays, he's likely, like, a hot commodity. But if he fell to 28, like, I think the Packers snatched that immediately.
1: Yeah, I'm not in the mood for getting my heart broken again by an inside linebacker. It's never worked <laughs> out for me. But if I am going to give my heart to someone, it's going to be Darian Beavers out of Cincinnati. Um, partially because if he's with the Packers, I'm going to buy that jersey. Um, it's just, <laughs> yeah, you can't beat it. He also wears number zero at Cincy, which is like really cool to see so a zero in the White. middle of the defense. Look at that. It's like the stars aligned and Bojack is going to start eating right as we wrap this up. So if you hear crunches, he is getting his dinner in, but that is all the time that we have for today's show. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J Loney. You can find Perry at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at PWSS podcast. You can also find us on YouTube, Twitch and Instagram at Pax what she said. We'll probably maybe do a little bit of Twitch and YouTube as we talk, you know, more about the combine and the draft and, you Our know, trip. get some interaction that way. But Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Go, Paco. Go, Go.
0: Pack Go.